Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Yesner. Today we're going to talk about The High Women, Mindhunter, and Ghost Whisperer. So Carrie, tell me about your experience with The High Women and your recent trip that you took. All right. I just started listening to this band called The High Women. It's a country band made up of four already established country singers, Brandi Carlisle, Natalie Hemby, Marin Morris, and Amanda Shires. And I didn't know this until you pointed it out, K-Dubs, but <laughs> their group is an homage to the Highway Men, uh, which is a country supergroup made up of Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christofferson, and Willie Nelson. I can't remember exactly how I found out about them, but I've been listening to them on Spotify. And they have a song called Old Soul that I've been listening to a lot. You know how some songs connect with you and you're like, yeah, I'm going to listen to this on repeat for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was fortunate in that I got a, a, a couple days off work a few weeks ago and I went hiking for the first time in a while with my dog, Elfie. She's a greyhound. She's um, the love of my life. <laughs> So I haven't been hiking in a while, and I finally got to go, and we go to a park near my parents' house. It's not a super hard trail, but there's one side that's um, more elevated, and it, it takes about an hour. I think it's a, a two-mile loop, and it's just really nice to be able to slow down. I don't bring music or anything. I just kind of listen to what's what's going on in nature. Wow, that sounds really dumb. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. It's just a couple of hours where I let myself not think about, not worry about anything, and also not listen to music or podcast or anything. I just kind of am able to be with my thoughts. And and then last weekend, I got invited to Broadkill Writers Resort, which is down in Delaware, and run by Jen Barnes and John Lawson, who... They are the head of Raw Dog Screaming Press, which if you've never heard of them, you should check them out. They do, uh, they publish fiction that foams at the mouth (laughs) and (laughs) it's on the beach in Delaware. So I got to just hang out at the beach for a little while. It was, I I don't want to say it was like religious, but, (laughs) but I was sitting on the beach and a couple other people had gone for a walk and someone else was I think he was just reading and chilling out and I was just reading and listening to the waves and I was like this is the most relaxed I've been in a really long time which is bad for my (laughs) for my everyday life but uh, (laughs) it was good for that day anyway then I, I came back and I've been listening to this song called old soul and it's the thing that really connected with me was the chorus starts out with oh to be a wild child for a day eventually the chorus is like actually i'm i'm not gonna be wild because i was born an old soul but it's okay to dream about being wild so it's not i don't know if i agree with the thesis i don't want to be an old soul (laughs) (laughs) i want to be more wild but yeah i've just been thinking a lot about how nature can kind of calm me down and I don't know if it's a dichotomy between the wildness of of nature and then the rigidity of everyday life but I yeah I like I said I have no I just have a lot of thoughts on this 
that aren't really conclusive. They're just really rambly. I've I, I have more feelings than thoughts, I guess. <laughs> but that goes along with the premise of of getting out into nature and being wild. So having it be an emotional reaction rather than something you can verbally articulate very easily. Like I think that's reasonable. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. And I think also we're getting into we're getting into autumn. That's a time when at least I think about going hiking and experiencing nature in a way that's a little bit more slowed down as we get closer to winter. Summer is, I love summer. Summer is my favorite season, but this past summer was everywhere. And I think where we both live was really exceptionally hot. So having it finally get cool enough to really enjoy being outside is, you know, a treat and it's nice. So, yeah. Yeah, it's very much a treat. And if anyone listening is in the area and and has tips on where to go hiking, that would be awesome. And I think I like to take these opportunities to notice what is not really working in my life and try to fix it. So because I've remembered how much I like hiking and how much I like being outdoors, I think it's, it's really time for me to try to fit that into my schedule more. You should try to do that good do it before right. it gets too cold i will i will say that i i do go like jogging outside in a beautiful nature trail but unlike you i'm not really able to shut everything off so i tend to listen to podcasts and it's great if it's a a day that's empty on the trail and i'm listening to a true crime podcast because i totally scare myself <laughs> like a lot like really yeah, bad that's <laughs> terrifying well, yeah, that's it's terrifying, but then it like inspires me to go faster so I can get back to my car <laughs> and get home. But the other thing that's fun is if the trail's very, very busy and there's a lot of puppies I can see being walked, which is great. It's also good if there's a lot of people and I'm listening to something funny and I'm trying really hard not to laugh so that I don't look <laughs> crazy. So it's always a good time. It's always a good yeah. time. Just look crazy. That's okay. I mean, everybody usually looks crazy, but that's true. Yeah. I, I think jogging is different too. If I jog, I definitely have to have something going on <laughs> or else I will just be focusing on thinking that I'm dying, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Distraction is good. Yeah. Thank you for listening to me ramble about nature. But you, <laughs> you've just finished the second season of Mindhunter. Yes. And I am only halfway through it, so I'm really curious to see what, what, you're, what you've thought about it. Okay. So, yeah, so I'll try not to spoil you or our listeners too much, but um, I didn't realize this was kind of irritating. So I was like, the other night, we're like, yeah, let's watch Mindhunter. And it did that thing, like, normally, if my husband and I are watching a Netflix show, we kind of know, oh, my gosh, we've only got one more left of the season, blah, blah, blah. We got to save it and gear up for it, do it like on a Friday night or something so that we can process <laughs> it more. But I didn't know it was the last episode of the season. Because it seemed like it was a really short season. And in looking at it, I think the second season, yeah, the second season is nine episodes, which is an awkward number that doesn't feel, normally it's either eight or 12 or 13, but nine is just kind of a strange number. So it sneaks up on you. So be aware there's nine episodes of the second season. And because it did the thing at the end of the episode where it goes to like, oh, trailer instead of showing the next episode. I was like, what? I was so upset. <laughs> I was so upset. So the fact that I was upset that it ended should tell you how I felt about it. It was really good. And the first season 
So Mindhunter, for those of you who are not aware of the show, it's on Netflix and it's a it's a period piece set in the late 70s, early 80s about these FBI agents and consultants who have the the brilliant idea to start tracking serial killers and trying to profile them and figure out what makes them repeat offenders, basically. And it's based on a book by John Douglas, and it's kind of based on his life, but it's heavily fictionalized. So it's it's not that you could read his book and, and see the exact same things as the show. They do take some liberties with it. And I didn't realize this, but Tom actually saw John Douglas talk at his college when he was an undergrad, and I was so jealous hearing that. Anyway. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And um, I have read other books by John Douglas, and I think he's, like, I don't agree with him all the time about his theories about crimes and things, but I think that making the effort and interviewing these people and, and doing this work, I think, is really interesting. So it's a lot more slower paced than your typical police procedural as a result, because it's unfolding these stories, like, as they're learning things. And so it's a little bit more of a character study, both of the FBI agents and consultants and the killers. So the second season, they're focusing on the Atlanta child murders, which was a case that I didn't really know very much about until this this season of TV. And I did read up on it a little bit later. It's pretty upsetting. So I will give a little warning here that the show does this talk in this season about children getting murdered. They don't really show anything. It's not a graphic show, uh, but it's more just kind of hearing about it. It's kind of disturbing. But I will say that the performances are amazing. Um, yet again, the cast really hits it out of the park. Jonathan Groff, who people may know from Glee or Hamilton, plays Holden Ford, who is kind of the fictionalized version of John Douglas, and he's a special agent. And then Holt McCallany, I think is how you say his last name, plays Bill Tench, who's his partner. And Anna Torv from Fringe, we talked about Fringe the other week. Plays we love Wendy. Anna Torv. We love Anna Torv. Um, she plays Wendy Carr, who's a psychology professor. And so she's a consultant with this unit. She leaves her job at Boston University um, to join the FBI Behavioral Science Unit. Season two, they also focus on Nancy Tench, Bill's wife, played by Stacey Roca. And I thought she was really pretty amazing in this season. Bill and Wendy have a weird, upsetting storyline of their, their own that they're dealing with in season two. Michael Cerveris plays Ted Gunn, who is the head of the BSU in this season, um, and he's a strange guy. He actually was on Fringe also. His motivations for the unit are very unclear and murky, and he seems like he's playing a lot of different sides. And I, I always love a conflicted, scary boss character. I think that's an interesting dynamic. I don't know. Because um, it's very real, right? You never know what your boss's motivations are. Or that's very true. <laughs> if they're on your side or if they're getting stuff from higher up. That I don't know. It's an interesting uh, thing. And then Lauren Glazier plays a bartender who becomes Anna Torf's character's love interest. And that relationship is kind of interesting. And I'm trying to think who else was a big standout. Sierra McLean plays Tanya Clifton, who is a hotel worker. And she alerts Holden to the existence of the Atlanta child murders. And I thought her character was really interesting. So the Atlanta child murders happened in the early 80s, late 70s in Atlanta. And someone was systematically murdering young black kids. So there's a lot of stuff with race, location, time period, trying to profile who these kids would have been lured to follow, like what, what the motivation was. 
And it's just, it's very nuanced. It's very upsetting. It's, um, I love all the little historical details they include, including music, atmosphere, the way the series is filmed makes it feel like it's the early 80s. So yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. It's a very, again, slow paced show, but in a good way. I think that it allows space for the actors to really emote in subtle, interesting ways. So, oh, and then there's like a recurring thing of, they're kind of half-heartedly sort of trying to figure out the BTK killer case, and they keep doing little vignettes where they actually show him leading up to some of his murders, and and that's an interesting recurring thing that started in season one. Okay, cool. How um, how do you feel about it? You you're not done with the season yet, but how do I'm you? I'm not f- done with I'm not done with the season yet. Um, I think I'm through episode five. Okay, so I've met the hotel worker who I really liked too. For the most part, yeah, I think it's an interesting show, but it's a little bit too slowly paced for me, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't love Holden. Really? Yeah. Oh. I'm not sure why. I think in the first season, I was just like, you're kind of a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I lost some sympathy for him. I don't know why. I was just like, mm, I don't trust you. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And I do like Bill Tench, mm-hmm. but his storyline is upsetting. And... It's very upsetting. Yeah. And... But he's a great actor. And I he's... I didn't like him as much in season one, but I really like him in season two. Yeah. I like him more in season two. And Wendy Carr, I like her, but I, I don't know. I feel like they're kind of not using her as as in depth as they could does that make sense yeah well i think that they're they're doing something interesting where season one they showed holden's personal life a lot and so in season two they're showing bill's personal life a lot and they're showing wendy's personal life more than they did in season one but not as much as bill's so i think if i mean i'm i'm sure this got renewed because it's been doing really well but i bet you that in season three we're probably going to see wendy get a little bit more robust storyline. At least that's what I would like. I think it was it was more present here, but they didn't show her at work as much. They showed more of her burgeoning relationship and kind of the struggle that there is with doing this work and having a romantic relationship. And the fact that she's a lesbian, but in the closet for the most part, added another layer of how she has to compartmentalize things. And I thought that mm-hmm. was interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I I want her to be more involved in the the regular stuff you know like the murder stuff <laughs> the murder stuff yeah i think i think yeah. we'll i think we'll see that yeah yeah but since they had this kind of season-long case that was a little more complicated that was interesting and they also do have they finally have an episode where they interview charles manson and even though they make the point that he's not all that in terms of being a serial killer it was still interesting and i feel like they they cast the serial killer characters very well um making them seem very in a way, very mundane, very unglamorous, very gross. And they cast them well for appearance. And I think they find actors who can play that, play making them seem more ordinary in a way that takes away some of the mystique and power. And I think that's important because glorifying serial killers is gross. (laughs) Yeah, I think they do really well with that. Yeah. Like the Manson interview is a a really good example. Yeah. Yeah. And then what Bill says to him... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He he makes fun of his height and cuts him down to size a bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you really liked it. And I'm both 
excited to finish the season, but a little bit nervous because you were upset at the last episode. Oh, well, no, I was mostly upset that it ended. I was not upset with okay. how it ended. So okay. we'll say that. Yeah. That makes me feel better. All right. So we've talked about Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. And we have watched another TV pilot. I picked it this time. It was Ghost Whisperer. So do you want to talk about that? Yes. Ghost awesome. Whisperer is streaming both on Prime and Hulu right now. Which did you watch it on? I watched it on Hulu. Oh, I watched it on Prime. No commercials. <gasps> I didn't know it was on Prime. Yeah, it's on Prime. <sighs> Could have told me that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, just kidding. no, it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. So Ghost Whisperer was uh, a CBS show, and it ran from 2005 to 2010, starring Jennifer Love Hewitt as Melinda Gordon, the main character. And Jennifer Love Hewitt, if you're not familiar, was in the I Know What You Did Last Summer movies. She was on Party of Five, which I just binge-watched for the first time late last year. So I'm Jennifer Love Hewitt overload right now. (laughs) (laughs) So this show starts, the first episode starts with her character Melinda Gordon as a little girl. She goes with her grandmother to a funeral and she sees an old man. It's clear her grandmother also sees the old man. And her grandmother's kind of like, he's going to talk to you. Just be cool. And we know he's a ghost because Melinda goes up to the casket and sees him there. And this guy comes up to her and says, like, please tell my wife I'm okay and stuff. And she's like, how is how is she going to know it's you? And he gives her all these little like things about I hope she drinks champagne on Friday nights and little little inside things. And like then Melinda goes and tells the woman this stuff. And I just start sobbing watching this. Right. It's very sad. It's very sweet, though. So that's how the show opens. And so we learn from the very get-go that Melinda can see and communicate with ghosts who other people cannot. And then Melinda grows up, and she's getting married to Jim, who is a paramedic. She talks with Jim's brother at the wedding, and Jim's brother is kind of like, hey, I know that being a paramedic is going to be really hard on him, so when he's ready to give up, tell him this. And then she sees a ghost out the window, and Jim's like, what's going on? Let's keep the celebration to the living. So it's clear that he knows. And I thought that was a really interesting dynamic. Yes. And so then later we see that she's an antiques dealer. She has a little shop and her shop partner is Andrea played by Aisha Tyler. I love Aisha Tyler. I think she's fabulous. Yes. She's one of the characters on Archer, the animated spy spoof series on FX. And she was the host of The Soup. She was on Friends. She's been everywhere. She's um, a comedian. I think she was on a talk show as well. But she's just great. I love her. And they have a cute little conversation that establishes that they're friends. And they have a very bantery relationship. Andrea apparently starts and stops hobbies. Her new hobby is learning Latin. Her old hobby had been teaching herself to play the guitar. But she quit because too many blisters. And so she comes off really funny. And then Melinda finds this weird old compass in like a set. It sounds like it's a set of stuff that's been incoming that she's going to be processing for the store. Um, but she saw the ghost that she saw at her wedding had drawn a compass on the window. So it's clear that these are connected. And then she and her husband move into a new house, which is half falling apart. And Melinda sees the ghost again after having nightmares about that same ghost. And we find out that having nightmares about the ghost is kind of a recurring thing. But she finally meets the ghost, whose name is Paul. He's played by Wentworth Miller, who 
I really enjoy. And uh, one of my favorite shows is Legends of Tomorrow. He's in the first season of that, and he pops up in later seasons. So if you like superhero shows, go watch that. <laughs> <laughs> he was also on Prison Break, too. I think that's his big claim to fame. He was the main guy on Prison Break. That's true, but I never watched that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> so she meets Paul and helps him reunite with his son, who's played by Balthasar Getty, and um, helps basically get his remains brought home from Vietnam. Yeah, he was listed as MIA, and he was from Melinda's hometown, but they never found him after he had crashed his helicopter. So, yeah. And in the course of Melinda helping the ghost, we get the crazy revelation, this also made me cry, that Jim's brother was actually dead. So his, his brother actually died before he and Melinda ever met, but Melinda is able to tell Jim that his brother was actually at their wedding and communicated with Melinda. And that was like, oh my gosh, that just really killed me. That was so sad. It was. But I know this is um, kind of silly, but I like that shot where, so Melinda reveals that she talked to Jim's brother at the wedding, and then it goes, the camera goes outside, and Jim's brother is standing there on the street just kind of watching them, which is sweet. And then it, it goes behind him, and he, and Michael, the, Paul's son, is sitting in the car there. I don't know why, but I just really like that. And I noticed that yeah. shot too, yeah. Yeah, because I think, I mean, Michael doesn't really believe that Melinda can see ghosts, and then his wife was like, oh, you should look into it, and they end up finding Paul's remains. And I don't know, I just really like that shot for some reason. It was a good shot, yeah. Okay, so then at the end, Melinda urges Paul to go into the light where he can see his wife, and she's she's at the graveyard because Paul's remains have finally been brought back and they're having a funeral. And she sees a family at a different gravesite. It's a family of four. And the husband comes up to her and asks, can you see us? And that's how the episode ends. <laughs> yeah, and there was something to me ominous about the fact that he says, can you see us? Because I thought maybe the husband was dead and they were at their the husband's funeral. But then Same. it's like, oh my gosh, is it the whole family? That's really tragic. So what did you think? What did you think? What were your impressions? Honestly, I thought it was pretty cute. Yeah, so I really liked the, all the cast. I thought they were kind of charming and and likable. I really liked that both Jim and the friend, Andrea, know about Melinda's ability. Because I, I think a lot of times in, in shows like this, where the character has kind of a weird power or a weird job or something, there's a lot of storylines that revolve around trying to keep the secret mm -hmm. so i thought it was really refreshing that that both the husband and the best friend know mm -hmm. and both encourage her to help as much as she can basically i also really liked that scene between melinda and jim where jim is like isn't it funny how we're both in the business of death and he had a really hard case where he was i guess performing cpr or helping a, a victim for 20 minutes and finally the guy came back but it's clear that he has a hard time as a paramedic and she kind of sits down and is like yeah but we're in the life business death is just a part of it mm -hmm. and i don't know i just felt like their relationship is really interesting and healthy and i like i want i want you both to succeed in whatever you in whatever you do <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. So yeah, I enjoyed it, and I think the end, the the can you see us? I it was like two thirty in the morning when I finished it, and I was like, oh, I actually do want to watch the next episode <laughs> to see what that's all about. But what's what did you think? I agree with you. I. I liked also that they live in this little small town because it reminded me of Gilmore Girls and it made me like I kind of do sometimes enjoy shows that are set in little small towns. I've tried other shows that are set in little small towns that I have not enjoyed. I tried Good Witch and I sort of hated that. Um, So I think this was much better. Um, I liked that it was also lighthearted in places. I liked seeing this really good cast. Balthazar Getty, who played the son, he's like really good and has been in a lot of stuff, including one of my favorite movies is Lost Highway, and he plays a major part in that. So I thought the cast was really excellent. I did think it was a little, some of the special effects did not survive the years. Not, it wasn't really that bad. It was mostly the opening credit sequence was kind of terrible. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought. I I didn't. Well, I don't know. I didn't think it was terrible. I actually thought it was kind of creepy, and I liked the tone of it. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's fine. <laughs> I thought it just okay. You're wrong, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it just came off a little dated, and it's funny because I feel like I'm always the one excusing older media for being dated because it's going to be dated, whatever. But for me, for some reason, because this was so semi recent, I thought shouldn't this have been a little better, including some of the moments where. Like their house is being renovated and so there's a lot of like plastic sheeting hung up and there's a scene where she's like literally running through this old Victorian home with these weird things that look like billowing curtains and she's wearing a white nightgown and I'm like, okay, come on, this is a little on the nose, whatever. But um, so there's moments like that that I felt were a little bit cheesy, but I thought for the most part the writing wasn't too bad, the humor was good, but I did feel – and I, I – I was just talking about This Is Us with you off the pod and how it makes me cry every time, even though it's I don't think it's that great of a show. And this show had the same effect on me. I was crying throughout most of the episode. So I feel like it's effective if that's its goal is to be heartwarming and and kind of happy, sad and whatever. But I felt a little manipulated by its tone and the fact that it very much tugs at some common heartstrings. But if you like that, that that's it does that. It does it well. And this show lasted a while. So, you know, um, I don't know. So you think you want to keep watching at least a little bit to see what happened with that family? It's not a show where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go watch that right away. It's mm-hmm. a show that I know when I have a long weekend or a time off over Christmas, I'm going to be like, you know what? It would be a good show that is heartwarming. I would I would put on like five episodes of this probably. Yeah. I could see I could see wrapping Christmas presents to this. Yeah. Yeah, so that kind of thing. So, yeah, I might I might watch a little bit more. I guess my only thing is because I'm an easy crier, I don't know if I'm going to really immediately reach for a show that I know might make me cry, but it does have that Hallmark movie feel to it. So, I I know plenty of people really like that. I like that sometimes, I just don't like it all the time. So, I think I might keep watching a little bit. But, that makes sense. Yeah. I I, I did not cry, but I'm it's it's harder to make me cry, I think. Um, <laughs> no, <I'm, laughs> that's just a fact. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not trying to <laughs> say one way is bad, but I also enjoy Hallmark movies a yeah, lot. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, it definitely does have that feel and I think maybe that's part of why I liked it. And if if it had made me cry, 
yeah, I, pro- I probably would be hesitant to watch more, yeah. at least right away. But I mean, like knowing that it's going to be like that, I think I can steal myself up. I mean, I don't know, dumb thing. I cry at commercials. So, you know, it's just like, whatever. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. I think it's one of those shows that I I know it's going to end well for everyone, basically. And sometimes I just need shows like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Cool. Awesome. So what are All we right. what are we going to talk about next time? Oh, next time I'm going to talk about Bob's Burgers because I love it. <laughs> and you're going to talk about Orange is the New Black, specifically the last season. Yep. And we'll find some other good stuff to talk about. So thank you for listening. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And if you want to email us, email us at PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. <laughs>